0: Big Beer has a lot of resources to help boost their sales and keep the little guys down. But we have some tricks of our own and some aspects of being small that work in our favor. I cover some of these sales strategies that have helped us over the years. They might be pretty common sense, but hey, they do work and that's what matters. Let's go. Welcome to Courage and Other Sea Words. I'm your host Jen Root Martell. Thanks for joining me today. And since the last episode, we have experienced a crazy rainstorm, a couple of them. Atmospheric river over here in Northern California. It won't completely save us from the drought, but it helped a little with the epic wildfires we keep getting and the general crispiness everywhere you look. It was definitely nice getting little weather around here and showing the little one what rain actually looks like. Doesn't happen very often. And I do have to say, thanks for coming with me on the journey last episode. I did apparently need to get all of that off of my chest because it just felt so good afterwards. Though I do really hate complaining about things like that. It's just the issues seem so large and the challenge seems so unsurmountable. But it's just so stupid and preventable the way they tip the game in the market. And though some of our regulatory agencies have tried to crack down on some of those bad actors, bless them. I've heard at least one big house distributor in the Bay Area literally has a separate bank account just to cover lawsuits and regulatory penalties and have several going at the same time all the time. So it goes to show that they know exactly what they're doing. They just don't care how it impacts the rest of the market. It does help to have good deep pockets, I guess. So since I spent the last episode bitching, I thought it would be helpful to share the other side of the playing field by looking at how we are succeeding with sales as a small cider company. Because even with the scales tilted not in our favor, we have been able to sell a crap ton of cider over the past six and a half years and foster some really amazing customer relationships and just help keep building the cider market in the SF Bay area. Our Dry Riversider River Cider in particular has been super successful and now has quite a following. We're pretty proud of what we've done, and none of it was accomplished through free gifts, extra stripes of the credit card, or other special privileges. We've looked at what the big guys do and what they promise, and then try to find the holes where our products can fit in. It's really the only way. There are things that they simply can't do because they're too big. All the while trying our hardest not to get on their radar so that they don't come after our taps and all the hard work that we've been doing selling cider in the market. It is, after all, a game in the end, and how you play it determines how successful you are or can be in sales. And for this episode, I'm only focusing on outside sales, since the tap room is a totally different monster and a monster that we haven't had in six and a half years. These strategies are what we continue to use out in the market as we pedal our ciders to bars, restaurants, and grocery stores, and continue to pick up new awesome customers around the Bay. So here we go. Let me break it down. I would say, first and foremost, the most critical piece of leverage that we have selling our cider in the SF Bay Area is that we are local, local, local. I cannot stress to you enough how valuable the local element is to sales these days, Did I say that we lead with local? Because I I really cannot say it enough. It is by far the easiest hole to fill and also the selling point for our ciders that I really believe has the most impact. That and the fact that we sell an actual dry cider, but that's getting far too ahead of myself. So this go local or buy local or support local, air quotes, buying trend has definitely been picking up steam for years now, probably decades But it is a powerful selling point. Buy our ciders because it's made literally down the street or across the bay or one town over or even in California. I love how Empire Creative put it when they wrote about this trend. They said, when you shop local, not only are you helping grow your area's economy, but you're helping grow the dreams of your neighbor. And we set up the cidery in an urban space so that we could be close to the people we are making our cider for. That was important to us. And only now looking back, it was really important to our sales strategy as well. We wanted to be part of a community and make a cider for that community. We knew it would be our greatest asset besides making good cider, of course. And from feedback from my sales guy only recently, we are still winning accounts left and right because of that selling point. Either people are from South City, they have some connection to South City, or just that it's a quick drive away and they can tell their customers, yeah, this cider is just down 101 or just across town or just across the bay. And people really appreciate that, it seems. I mean, San Francisco, for sure, it's a hyper-local asset of being just south of the city has helped us win accounts even from larger California brands. And... Though I would prefer, of course, poaching cider taps from big, big, big names. Seeing that priority that our customers are putting toward local, even micro-local, is very telling and validating for us. And then it also annoys me when I see shelf tags at grocery stores where big distributors have been able to buy the, quote, local signs for their ciders, Oh, and I just want to scream, bitch, we are 10 minutes away from here. This old quote local cider is three hours. But OK, that comes down to more of the fact that I don't have money for shelf tags and I'm super jealous because three hours is still, yes, decently local. It's just oh, we're more local mm. because the big guys realize that it sells. And they do what they can do to draw it. It makes sense. Um, Of course, they're going to draw attention to it. I just wish I could create some tags that say, yeah, but we're more local or something like that. But I know that's petty. But it's just more motivation to be out in the market and educating people that we are the small and scrappy and more around the corner cider than some of these other guys. It's all the game. And highlighting that localness is something I Just do not think you can do enough of, or too much of, or both. Last summer, some of us cider ladies got together and made a cider pack for sale, a variety pack with one of all of our ciders. And there were some ciders that one wouldn't be able to find on the shelves because some of these guys are just so small. And we sold it throughout the Bay uh, from all the cider bars. And it was a huge hit. I think combining forces like that and bringing attention to other local businesses that complement your own or even just colleagues in the same industry, it makes a statement even stronger that these are your neighbors and they're worth supporting because they are doing or making really, really great things super, super close to you. So even working together to stress that localness, I think is a huge selling point. And honestly, it seems like the pandemic has only expanded the popularity of shopping local as people were forced to stay within their community bubbles more so over the last 18 months. And even I would say still a little bit. And the idea of shopping local to support the small businesses that were hit so hard by all the lockdowns was just more in their faces and just flooding their Instagram feeds. Now that hopefully the brunt of this epidemic has passed us, It looks like the trend of focusing close to home for your food and beverage needs isn't going away anytime soon. I do want to reference a really great article from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that had some great numbers for those data people out there. It says that today, 56% of consumers are patronizing neighborhood stores or buying locally sourced products. And that's according to Accenture's findings on post-COVID purchasing behaviors that are poised to stick. And then another one I, I love is one of the pivotal shifts in spending habits since COVID-19 is a drift toward local shopping and a move away from malls with 75% of consumers planning to shop more locally over the next year. And that's according to a study done by a, a digital operations platform, Bright Pearl. So even the numbers say it, which is really exciting and it all bodes so well for the small producer, no matter the product. We know it's definitely a great way to start as a sales pitch breaking the ice as a neighbor in contrast to the big beer guys who peddle the national brands that really lack a sense of place. I would say the exception of Coors maybe because they're still just so focused on Colorado. But for most of these guys, yeah, they're made everywhere. So it's definitely a hole that we can fill. So using that local card has been a winner so much of the time. And, okay, I believe I've gotten my point across on that one, but I cannot keep saying local, local, local. Use it. Use it. It works. So moving on to the next point, I would like to mention, as I know I have in the past, uh, and that is around the concept of ingredients. I think there's a lot that can get lost when companies they have to scale. They get so big. And a loss of quality, potentially when your cost of goods skyrockets with the increase in production size, is inevitable, unfortunately. It's one that I know we have kept absolutely true as we've grown as a cider business is that we use 100% fresh pressed apple juice in our base must for all of our ciders. Now, don't get me wrong. I think some cider companies are doing amazing things with concentrates, especially with the bitter sharp and bittersweet apple concentrates that you just can't find. I mean, you can't find those apples out here on the West Coast. So they're trying to do special things with those kind of special concentrates. But I think for a base, having that 100% fresh pressed juice just adds a quality level that some of those really, really big guys just can't do because it's cost prohibitive. And since we determined early on that crushing and pressing our own apples for our cider was just so time and cost prohibitive, we turned to fresh juice provider and we will not be changing that direction for anything. Even as freight gets ridiculously expensive and we have to work around grape harvest for our juice supply, Bringing in that yummy juice once a month and having our base just be 100% of that is just a, a huge point of pride. And it's so beautiful and yummy. And there is no water in our cider. There is no extra apple flavorings or other nonsense. It's all apple all day, no joke. And I make sure that anyone who is talking about our cider makes sure to mention that. It's definitely a strong selling point when you're out there in the market. The next question, of course, is where do you get your apples from? And I know I've mentioned this many, many times because as much as I would love to continue that local conversation and support our apples that are made in California, the lack of supply just makes it impossible. So we do source regionally from the Pacific Northwest. It's not local in the localness that I was just talking about, but it's regional. And there's some pride that comes with that as well. It's also pressed the week that we need it. So there's no sitting around waiting for trucks. It gets put in a truck and is in our tank within two days. I would say that's not too shabby. And yeah, at some point we might want to dabble with other apples and other juices. I know we have definitely with our seasonal line, but that base must will always be 100% fresh pressed juice and we are sticking to that. So that's an area that we can really shine in beating big beer. Another really important aspect of sales that small producers are able to pull off better than the big guys is just it's customer service. When you get so big that all you have are distributors around the country peddling your products and pushing your beers onto shelves and taps, you definitely lose that personal touch. The salespeople in the market are distributor salespeople who have a huge portfolio of other brands that they also need to sell, hence all the cheating to keep your brand in the forefront of their minds. I'm sure some of those really big ones do have like their own specific person in the market, but it's rare that you'll find a macro only company person out doing sales. It's mainly their distributors because that's what they're paying for. That's technically one of the elements that distributors can bring to the table. They just don't do it very well. Small guys on the other hand with a self-distribution model have designated salespeople in the market who care deeply about the brand and are there as a resource for our customers, not just as sellers. And sometimes these salespeople, yeah, they're the owners themselves, bringing even more personal connection to the sales pitch and the relationship. They are locally situated so that they can call on accounts regularly. They are available to help troubleshoot if a keg is having problems. And they are there to quickly supply additional product information if needed for a menu or a promotion at the store. They constantly bring the new products rolling out in real time to customers so that they have access to the freshest, newest, yummiest options that they can get. These salespeople make the whole thing work for the little guys. They have their ear to the ground to figure out what the trends are in the market, and they build the relationships at a personal level so that they cultivate amazing loyalty among their customers. And this doesn't need to be a slow roll type strategy, like I said last time. Spending hours and hours and hundreds of dollars at a bar does not ensure a loyal customer. Trust me, I've tried. Though you can pick up some sales that way, at least you could before COVID. Really all I got out of it were maybe a few orders and definitely a couple more inches on my waist, which I'm not stoked about. It's just all about deeply caring about what your customers need and want bringing them new items that can help their sales, and treating accounts like partners, not just dollar signs. And having someone on your team who can keep all the accounts straight and know that they what they order and can help predict the trends of sales as you go is critical. Being seriously engaged in selling your products can also allow you to take advantage when others drop the ball. Sometimes the supply chain for the big guy fails, or they mess up in some huge way to infuriate the buyer. Who knows what that could happen? Who knows what could happen if your team member is there with a smile and a willingness to help? It could mean a bigger order potentially or a specialty cake promotion down the line. It just never hurts to be there and be involved. And again, I keep talking about a salesperson, but this can be an owner to start for sure. But at some point, you will want to offload this huge task onto somebody else. Trust me. I know it means handing off your precious accounts to someone who has more time but they also have more energy to keep them happy. And it's a great sign of growth when you as an owner no longer have the capacity to drive around and check in on everyone because there are just too many of them and not enough hours in the week. So training someone to really know the products, care about the products, and understand the importance of service with a smile, thank you, McDonald's, and all that is is a key step in expanding your market share and increasing the visibility of your brand. And I would say with this, when we're talking about trends and having an ear to the ground, pivoting is also something small producers can do so much easier. Pivoting and adapting. And this could be as easy as during COVID. Some of the huge cider companies couldn't keg some of their fruited ciders because they had so much going out in cans or bottles to fulfill the increase in the off-premise sales. Well, we could keg more of our fruited ciders for sure. And voila sales. So filling a hole that the big guys left open was critical for us and during a really hard time. And along that same vein, being so engaged with the customers can reveal trends in the market for a particular flavor profile or an interest in special ciders for certain accounts. Small producers can roll out small batches to test the market easier than the big guys. I mean, we can do a two or 300 gallon batch put it only in kegs and see how it sells around the bay without a huge hit to the bottom line if it doesn't take off right away. That flexibility can be a boon when bars ask for maybe just a specific thing or they have an event coming up that they want a cider for. I mean, we can make that happen faster and with less disruption to the larger production process. It's an interesting angle when you're out in the market and wanted to distinguish yourself or expand your partnership with a specific bar or grocery store. Collaborations are so fun, and who knows what new ciders might come out of ca- of customer suggestions. That's how our seasonal honey and lavender came out, and we've been making it now for more than four years. We also made a pu- purple cider for an awesome bar in South Bay, and I might want to talk to them about putting it in cans this year. Who knows? It's just so fun to see what comes out of it. And sales is really half the battle, because once you get the order, you then have to get the product to the account and yes self-distro is a ton of work but it's a great place to start as a small brand you need a truck or five you need drivers for those trucks those drivers should be awesome and committed or at least excited about the brand considering they are the outward face of the company physically bringing the products to the market and this is one resource that you can provide that the big guys just can't this is the service with a smile concept The driver is not a cog in a machine. They are a critical part of the sales team and the process. They are another sales touch that allows you to get feedback about the market, information about how your product is being stored at different places, and another face of the company that your accounts can see. There's just so many positives. And at least in the beginning, it's definitely worth the overhead. So especially if you're super small starting out, I know I was shopping around for distributors before we even opened. I would say start with self-distro for sure, even if it's you and your backseat with some kegs. It's it's just something that will definitely pay off at the end. And I would say you can always grow to then be with a distributor. It's impossible to go with a distributor and then come back to self-distro. It's very, very expensive and not a great idea. So definitely trying to go at it yourself alone to begin with is the way to go. And a couple of years into cider, we did sign with a wholesale distributor to help cover more territory for us. We specifically chose a small craft distributor who actively avoided the illegal strategies that I mentioned in my last episode. We even had a chat in the beginning of the relationship about providing monetary incentives for their salespeople. And they flat out refused. They actually said that that type of thing wasn't what drove their team And the opportunities that had been offered in the past like that didn't actually help with sales and motivating their team. Their team is all about craft, and that was awesome news for us. They are super committed to craft and small producers, and it's a portfolio that we are proud to be part of. And especially during COVID, there were some times that because we were small, we were capable of supporting our wholesaler outside the usual marketing documents and fulfilling orders. We did a few trips around the territory, Checking with customers, introducing our new salesperson, and making sure basically everyone was okay. There were a good amount that had to be closed during the pandemic, but for those that stayed open, we tried to be available to assist in any way that we could as the producer. And by providing more canned product than usual or brainstorming different ciders and events that could help move product during the lockdowns, that's just something that we could do because we could pivot so much faster. And for the distributor, We also made sure that they got the products that they needed. Usually this means arranging a time for them to come by and pick up pallets of product when their delivery truck is out on the peninsula. But during COVID, all the routes were crazy and timing didn't always pan out. Drivers were let go or just straight up left. So there were a handful of times when I loaded up the van and did multiple trips to Stockton to make sure our cider got into their hands. It was a huge time suck, but it was definitely worth it to let them know that We were partners and we were in it together. Also, as we continue to deal with a market that is unpredictable, I have offered to buy back seasonal product that it just doesn't seem to be moving for them. I don't think it's fair to pile product on them if it's something that their customers don't really want. And now with the tap room, we have another avenue of sharing our ciders that is just not as restricted to specific seasons. I can have a couple of taps of different seasonals and provide more options to people who walk through our doors. The distributor doesn't have this flexibility. So we did actually just buy back a handful of Yerba Buena cases and kegs that weren't moving as well. Because I just don't want them to die in their warehouse. And then they're not out of the dollars that it costs them to have that product dying in their warehouse. It's all about partnership and flexibility. And just reminding them that we have their back. And that goes a long way, I think. So lastly, I would say the thing that small businesses can do to set themselves apart from the big guys I mean, it's just common sense. Just don't be an asshole. It's not that hard. I wrote a little bit of the, about this in episode seven, about that cutthroat competition we've got in the cider industry. But it's pretty true against the big beer guys as well. It doesn't help any of us to bash the big guys in front of buyers or draw attention to their bad actions or spread negative information between accounts. Bringing to light all of the nonsense isn't going to help reduce any of it, and it really only makes you look bad for calling people out. Either move on and just don't service those accounts, or do what the big guys can't do and kill them with kindness. It's amazing the loyalty you can cultivate by just being real, being yourself, and selling quality products. As an owner, there's a pride and knowledge that you can bring to the sales pitch that just cannot be matched. No one can be as good of a salesperson as the person who makes the product. But it is possible to come close if you follow these strategies above and hire the right people. Staying positive and keeping yourself out of sales drama can be especially powerful when you're around others who are taking part in that bad-mouthing. Setting yourself apart from all that shows class and integrity. So keep smiling, even if it's really hard to do it sometimes. Okay, so I know what you're thinking. Jen, this is all super obvious. I wouldn't dream of being a dick to a customer. I thought you were going to tell me something I didn't know. Well, you're right. A lot of these things really do sound like common sense. But you know what they say. Common sense is not so common. And a little positive energy really does go a long way with customers. I mean, they're frequently overwhelmed, bogged down by samples and product sheets, constantly barraged with new products and discounts and requests for space. Approaching them gently and then always being there for them when they need you, it's worth, it's weight in gold. It really is. Even just asking them how they're doing that day and not trying to push a sale, who knows where that could go? Usually in your favor. And based on some of these sales trends that I mentioned, looks like the little guy is having his day right now. Focusing on local, quality products and not undercutting your prices or cheapening your sales pitch will most likely lead to some great sales and some great customer relationships. Setting yourself apart as the neighborhood product can be a huge selling point and it's a super easy point to make. So that's my two cents on sales for now. I'm sure I can add to this episode later on as we get past the impacts of COVID and see what that new normal looks like on the other side. And the taproom will also yield a whole new world of sales and learning experiences that I hope I can pass on at some point. In the meantime, I hope some of these points can be helpful to other small producers, or at least validating if you're already doing all of or some of these things. I'm pretty proud with how we've grown over the years, and I will be the last person to say that it's been easy because it's been fucking hard. But now that we're getting cold calls from places wanting our cider, I feel like we've hit the momentum that we've been working so hard toward and have created the visibility that this brand needs to succeed. There can always be more done but there are also so many hours in the week when you're a small team. So we're doing our best and we won't stop smiling. And that's a wrap. Do you have any particular sales strategies that have worked in your favor over the years? Any victories you'd like to share? I'd love to hear all about them. Email me at info at And in the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and review to help out this little podcast. Five stars goes a long, long way and I so appreciate your support. I know it says write a review and that can be daunting, but apparently Apple isn't asking for a novel. A simple, hey, what's up, would be more than fine. And for more information about me and this podcast, visit us online at othercwords.com or on social media at Other Talk to you soon. And thanks so much for joining me today.